episode 44 of the podcast to be named later. I am Chris Willis, and I'm joined tonight by my good friend, Stephen Talbert. Stephen, we missed a week last week, uh, but it's good to be back with you, buddy. Yeah, man. Uh, it's uh, It's been a minute since we did. Obviously, we were out last week. We both had stuff going on, and a lot's happened, so we got a lot to talk about. But yeah, it's always fun to do these, and uh, it's always good to do. It's always good to be back with you. Yeah, we've got a lot to get to this week, uh, but I do want to start basically with this Tiger series. Braves took two out of three. Obviously, got off to a rough start. Uh, carried a five-two lead into the ninth inning in Monday, and uh, Rosel Iglesias gave up. Uh, well, tied allowed them to tie the game. Detroit to tie the game, and then they won on a walk-off in the tenth inning. Rain out Tuesday, but the Braves came back today and swept a doubleheader. They're sixteen games above five hundred. That's uh, that's their season best mark, forty-two and twenty-six. Best record in the National League, depending on what uh, happens tonight with the Diamondbacks and Phillies, and we're recording this after the doubleheader. So I thought it was it was a strange series. You know, I don't think you, anybody's going to say that they played especially well in this series, but they still came in there and took two out of three. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's about all you can. You know, a sweep would have been nice. They were just an, a strike away, I think, from uh, getting a three game sweep. But I mean, I think you've got to be pretty happy to, uh, to win that series. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, every team in baseball can beat you. I mean, the A's are are beating the Rays right now. The A's have won like seven in a row. The, the A's obviously took a series from the Braves. They're still Major League Baseball players, and they can beat you. And, and so anytime you take two out of three, I think you have to be happy. It was definitely a weird series. I mean, the, the Tigers came in with the worst offense in all of baseball. I think as a team, they had like an 81 WRC plus coming in to the, to the series, which is the lowest in baseball. The Braves had one of the hottest bullpens in baseball. They they had like a, a sub one ERA in June coming into the series, and so of course you know half this most of this series was spent with Detroit scoring runs or, or or threatening to score runs against the Braves bullpen. You know that that's just baseball. That's just how crazy it is, how random it can be over three games. So yeah, I mean two out of three. You know, if I think I think the Marlins are in Seattle tonight, so if they lose that, I think the Braves will be at like five and a half in terms of their division lead. Um, if they win, if Miami wins, it'll be four and a half. So it's still a pretty sizable lead. The Mets are obviously still down pretty hard right now. So yeah, and like you said, it's the biggest. I think it's the most they've been over five hundred all year. So yeah, things are looking good. It it was a rough series Monday or a rough game Monday, but they bounced back really well, swept a doubleheader. Um, and we'll get into a little bit, but you know, what the bullpen did today was, was massive, especially in game two. Um, so yeah, really good series. And, and now you head home to play a, a not great Colorado team. Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, you know, it's important to win games like this when you not, you don't necessarily play your best. So, you know, it was, it was really, they could have really easily, you know, they were down four to nothing in game one, saw a five, one lead disappear in the second game. You know, it'd been really easy for them to split that doubleheader today. Uh, so to come out with both of them, but there are a couple of things, you know, I want to talk about from the series. Rizal Iglesias had been really good for the season, come in, uh, just really struggled uh, to get anything going on in that Monday game, allowed five hits, three runs. Then tonight, today he comes in in game one with a four-run lead. Gets the first two guys pretty quickly, then allows three straight hits and a run, but did, you know, finally did close the thing out. Uh, but you know, I mean, obviously, it's a, you know, he he was uh, began the season on the injured list uh, with a shoulder issue. There's nothing that really indicates that the shoulder's a problem now. I think it's just been a matter of him being able to locate his pitches. I mean, to me, he had a hard time controlling the slider. 
But, you know, what have you seen with Iglesias' performance? Because, you know, I got a lot of questions today and, uh, you know, about if, if his spot's in jeopardy. And I really don't think it is. And I think you could only, you'd only need to look back to last season for, um, you know, the struggles that Kenley Jansen had, you know, through a, a good little, a little stretch there. And I just think the Braves are, you know, the Braves are pretty committed to Iglesias. And I think they'll give him a ton of rope, you know, to work himself out of a, out of a funk. Well, yeah, not just with Jansen, but with Will Smith the year before, right? Like we've seen Brian Snitker, he holds on. You know, he holds on. He's, if he's got a veteran closer that he likes, then he, he'll live with some blown saves. Um, you know, and Rossiel hasn't had that many that I can think of. Obviously, he had one on Monday, but um, and I think he had one other one. Well, that game in Oakland actually wasn't a save opportunity. I think it was tied, so I don't even know if that counts as a blown save, so. Yeah, you know, it's going to have to get much, much, much worse than this before they think about moving him. But, yeah, I'm not terribly concerned with Rossiel. I mean, in the game on Monday, they were just kind of getting hits. You know, he was throwing strikes. He wasn't walking people. That was kind of the thing in the Oakland series is he walked three straight guys and and then gave up the, the game-winning hit. So, you know, that's obviously a much different thing. You know, in Monday's game, he was, he was leaving his changeup up. You know, a lot of times he'll throw that changeup to get a strikeout, but he'll bury it beneath the zone in order to get righties and lefties to swing over it. On Monday, it was up. It, it, all the changeups were, were finishing still in the strike zone, still hittable. Um, so I think it was a little bit of command. Um, you know, his pitches just weren't as sharp, weren't breaking as much. You know, when that when that changeup is really diving out of the zone, it's really, really tough to to hit. I mean, it's it looks exactly like his fastball, so guys are always swinging at it. And if you can get it out of the zone, then that's usually – a good result and Monday it was just staying in the zone. And so everything was uh, being hit hard and, and hit, you know, and they, you know, they got some good batted ball luck. Everything they hit seemed to find grass. And, you know, those that play in left where you think maybe if Rosario wasn't there and maybe Pilar or Hilliard was that maybe they get to that, but no, I'm not really worried about Iglesias. It's just, it's reliever stuff. We talked about it earlier with mentor, but you know, it's just, that's just relievers, man. And um, I think Snit knows that. So he's, Rossio's got plenty of leash left. We're not even close to having that conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's just magnified, you know, and I get it too because when you, you know, you enter the ninth with a three-run lead with your closer, you know, on the mound, you you expect to win that. I mean, it's one thing if he blows a one-run lead, but to blow a three-run lead and, and the way they did, you know, it's, uh, you know, it sticks out in your mind and it probably hangs around a little longer than uh, you would like but I agree I mean I think the stuff's still good I mean you know if we were seeing a velocity drop or you know thing something phys is something that could be you know lead to a physical ailment then it might be a little different I mean obviously you know we'll see how he performs um you know going forward but I mean at this point I think the Bra- there's a really good chance that the Braves look for bullpen help but I don't think that uh, it'll be a situation where they bring in somebody to supplant Iglesias as that in that closer role. Well, yeah, and also you got to remember Iglesias is making sixteen million a year for the next two years or something like that. Yeah, so, two seasons after this one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, so they're they're invested in 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 every sense of the word. So yeah, I, they'll 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 add bullpen help. They always do, but it won't be a closer. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
you know, I mean, it seems like we talk about Ronald every week. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, at this point, I mean, if season ended today, he's the National League MVP in a landslide. He's, uh, you know, the all-star voting uh, came out earlier this week. He's leading the majors. I thought it was notable that he's ahead of Shohei Otani. I don't know that that's happened over the last few years. I think Otani's kind of run away with it. But uh, he was 5 for 13 in the series with a double, two homers, three runs, seven RBIs, stolen base, uh, homered in both games of doubleheader today. The second home run he hit off the batter's eye in center field, that's one of the longest home runs I've ever seen hit in Detroit. Um, that thing was destroyed. And there was, really wasn't a good camera angle of it, you know, to actually see where that thing landed. But I thought this was interesting. He's sitting on 15 home runs, 29 stolen bases for the season in 68 games. He finished last season with 15 home runs and 29 stolen bases in 119 games. You know, he's he's on pace for a monster season, you know, and I mean, you just got to hope he stays healthy because he is going to put up some unbelievable numbers. And, and to me, I think, you know, we're getting close to maybe one of those stretches where he puts together, you know, uh, six, seven home runs in a week, you know, week span to really jump, uh, really jump that total up. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about like Ronald's the most talented player in baseball, like just pure talent, just what you can do on a baseball field. Ronald is as talented, if not more talented than anybody, you know, Shohei obviously has a much different skill set because he can pitch, but Shohei is not a five tool player in the field the way Ronald is. And, you know, Shohei DHs a lot. And, you know, everyone knows about Shohei at this point. And Shohei is amazing. Don't get me wrong, but Ronald is the most talented player in baseball. And when he's healthy, and he was not healthy last year. We know that. He couldn't swing the same way. He couldn't use his lower half the same way. He, he barely had any power relative to what he normally has. And this year he's fully healthy. And he's the best player in baseball. And if he stays healthy, he's going to put up a seven, eight, nine win season. Probably going to win MVP. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman in, in L.A., Mookie, Corbin Carroll in Arizona. Those, those guys are kind of kind of the guys right now that are giving him a, a run for that. But yeah, I agree with you. Right now, he's the MVP, and if the voting was held today, he'd probably win it uh, pretty convincingly. And, you know, if you think about all the things that have gone wrong for the Braves this year, with especially on the pitching side with not having Max and Kyle and, and Strider being up and down and, you know, some of these kids being up and down, you know, a lot of this success they've had is because they have the best player in baseball leading off for them every night, and he's played every game, and he looks amazing. And it was awesome to see him today. You know, he hit two home runs. He's kind of got his home run stroke back, and, you know, he, he I think he's on pace for like 36 or 37. And it's funny, you know, if he's on pace for 37 home runs, and we're like, what's wrong with his home run streak? You know, like, that's a lot of home runs. Like, I don't, you know, we, we have we have such high standards for Ronnie that, you know, a, a 37 home run pace feels like it's beneath him somehow. But, yeah, he's incredible. And just pray to God he stays healthy. That's If he's healthy, then he's going to put up monster numbers, and he's proven that. And, you know, already in his young career. The thing about him, too, is the on-base skills are so are so good that, you know, if he goes on one of those tears, teams are going to start to walk him, and he'll take his walks. And now the yeah. way he's stealing bases, you know, it just causes that much more, you know, havoc, uh, you know, for opposing teams. I mean, 
you know, it's a joy to get to watch him every single day, you know, and I think, you know, you can look at the all-star vote and I know a lot of that's the Braves, Braves fans, but I think a lot of people around the league are taking notice again because I've said it before you and I've talked about it. I felt like after he got hurt, people kind of forgot about him, you know, and people weren't talking about him as in the, in the group of the best players in the game. But I mean, I think, I don't think there's ever been a doubt when he's healthy, he belongs in that discussion, and I'm not real sure that you know he isn't the best player in the in the game. Continuing on, uh, we're going to talk about Spencer Strider in a minute, but uh, Braves had a, another significant injury in this. They got did get Marcelo Zuna back uh, in the second game of the doubleheader today, but Jesse Chavez replaced uh, Strider in the first game and took a, a line drive. Well, I think it actually hit the ground, but it was smoked uh, off the bat of Miguel Cabrera, uh, hit him in the shin area. He went down in a heap had to be helped off the carry basically carried off the field. You know, I don't think anybody intended this. Chavez, you know, come made the team out of out of spring training and he's become one of their most reliable relief options. You know, maybe that speaks to the state of the bullpen from the the start of the season to now. But I mean he came into the day with one point five five ERA and a two point four eight FIP in twenty nine innings. He's pitched in thirty one games. X rays were negative I didn't. I was getting ready for this podcast, so I didn't look to see if they had uh, released results. I know he was going further under further um, tests. Um, so, but I mean, that's a that was a pretty significant thing because it really left the Braves shorthanded, especially in that in that second game of the doubleheader. Yeah, I mean, it was that was brutal. I thought when I saw it live, I thought he broke his leg. Like I thought that's a bro that you know, it kind of reminded me of the Charlie Morton play in the World Series. Um, in 21, you know, where he broke uh, off. I think it was Altuve he broke Charlie's leg. And obviously if you break your leg, you're done for the year. So I was, I was not optimistic when they had to basically carry him off the field. Uh, but the x-rays came back negative, which is shocking. They're going to do more imaging. I'm sure they're going to do an MRI and stuff just to make sure. But you know, that the fact that the x-rays were negative is kind of shocking in, in itself. So hopefully maybe they dodged a bullet. Um, I know that probably hurt like a mother to get, it was, I think it was, Miguel Cabrera, I think it was like a hundred mile an hour ground ball. Well, technically, I, I it's technically a ground ball, but that was more like a line drive. I mean, that right. was that was I think a one hop directly to the shin, and um, yeah, that was brutal, and it definitely hurt the Braves today because you're, I mean, you're talking about game one of a doubleheader, and you have one of your top relievers throw like four pitches, and he's out of the game, and it it really caused some shorthandedness when they got to the second game, and. Um, so good on them for, for managing that. I thought Snit did a good job of managing that, but yeah, hopefully Jesse avoided serious injury cause he's been a monster for, for the Braves this year. I do wonder, you know, if they'll, if they'll be able to let him be day to day, you know, cause I know he's going to be sore for a few days. Uh, he said as much after the game, uh, do wonder if, uh, you know, if he doesn't go on the IL just for, just to get right he probably wouldn't need the whole 15 days but it might be an opportunity for them to add a fresh arm to the bullpen but we'll we'll probably find that out before um before thursday's game against the rockies uh but speaking of the bullpen i mean they had to use uh yates replaced um you know uh replaced uh chavez after he went out and then you know they had to use Minter and iglesias both in game one then dylan Dodd only lasted four innings in the second game but Colin McHugh came in and turned in probably one of his best performances as a Brave. Tossed three perfect thin, perfect innings. Uh, he, Jimenez, and A.J. Minner came back in for the last out. 
combined for five perfect innings and six strikeouts to close out a one-run game in game two. And, man, I thought that was just that was just huge because we were sitting here in slack trying to figure out what they were going to do in the ninth. I wasn't sure if they'd bring Minter back after he pitched in the game. first game. We thought maybe we might see A.J. Smith-Shaver even. Uh, Michael Tonkin, I believe, was the only – reliever that did not pitch today so you know that was uh that was a pretty that was a pretty uh good performance for a bullpen that you know was shaky uh through the first two games of the series yeah McHugh was the he was the all-star today for game two I mean he because we were talking about it the Braves had basically after Dodd went out the Braves had McHugh Tonkin and Jimenez that didn't pitch in game one and you know, obviously Dodd was not good today. He he got rocked pretty hard and, and only made it four innings. So McHugh coming in throwing, I think he did like 45 pitches, which is obviously a lot for a reliever, but made it through three innings, three pretty, I think three perfect innings. I don't know if Three perfect, yeah. yeah. The, their bullpen didn't allow a base runner uh, after uh, from the fifth inning on. So they finished, they retired the last 15 guys yeah, they faced. That was, that was, especially after how game one on Monday went and then game one today went. That that was massive. Yeah, huge part of the sweep. But you know, I, I agree. I think you know, I think Nick Anderson has probably regressed a little bit. I think people have started to figure him out. I think some of his numbers were probably due to regress, anyways. You know, the flip side is AJ Minter looks like he's kind of back on track. Colin McHugh has really, you know, turned in really good performances lately. I think he's the ERA's down below three now. You know, if they get Rossiel back, I think that's probably going to be your seventh, eighth, ninth guys for for a little while. I think Nick, I think they'll probably drop Nick down to some middle leverage spots. Kirby Yates had a good outing, which is he needed it badly. Jimenez obviously had a really good outing. It was just big, you know, when Chavez, when uh, Chavez went out, you know, the other guy stepped up and after how Monday night went with the bullpen implosion, it was really good to see. It was a, it was a, it was a big deal that they shut the door like that in game two today. Yeah. Jimenez only needed eight pitches to get through the eighth inning. And I think that yeah. influenced the decision to send him back out in the ninth. Jake Rogers did lift one to the track, uh, in the night with one out in the ninth inning. Uh, I think it scared everybody to death, but then, uh, Snicker went with, uh, AJ Minter to close the thing out. He only got, had needed one batter struck out, uh, Eric Hasse. So, you know, it was, like I said, it was a good performance. And, uh, but I think McHugh, you know, McHugh was the MVP of that one because he just can't really came in and set the tone and, uh, Eddie Rosario gave the Braves back the lead with a home run, and then you know bullpen just took over and uh, and finished it out, and that's exactly what you what you hope for. So, all right, we're going to go to a break right now, and then we're going to come back and talk about another Braves hitter that's uh you know turned his season around. You know, it's been a it's been a good month for Michael Harris, but you know he was really he was red hot in this in this whole the whole Tigers series. Really, he started seven for eight. Which was which was crazy. I think he went hitless in the last game. Finished uh, finished the series seven for twelve with a double, two homers, five RBIs, and stole two bases. He and Acuna, I mean, with him hitting ninth, man, he is him him and Acuna flipping the lineup over have just really put a ton of pressure on opponents this month. And you know, I mean, Harris looked lost at the plate. I mean, there was some bad luck in there, but there was some bad there was some bad at bats too. You know, for his first two months, I know he spent three about three weeks on the on the injured list and just never got on track. But over his last twelve games in June, he's hitting three thirty three, three sixty two, six hundred. Uh, with three homers, he's got four multi hit games in those twelve. He had two multi hit games all of April and all of May. 
So, you know, it's good to see Michael Harris swinging the bat again. And, man, he's come up with some big hits here in this, you know. I know, I know, man, as he gets going, you'd like to see him higher in the order. But, man, I'm really loving Arcia Harris and, Acuna, you know, getting on base for Acuna because, uh, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just putting that much more pressure on, on opposing, opposing pitchers. Yeah, I'm really happy for Michael. Um, you know, I've been talking about Michael a lot this year about, you know, some of the stuff that we were worried about last year and, and some of that kind of came to fruition early this year and, you know, ground ball stuff and, and batted ball stuff. And, you know, he really has, it looked like, you know, it seems like that work with Chipper really helped. He had a home run today that was out to left center field, which is kind of what Chipper has been preaching for Michael is to kind of try to hit the ball over the shortstop's head um, as a left-handed hitter and then everything else will come. And, you know, I'm I'm really happy Michael's finally seeing results. The the truth of the matter is he's been hitting the ball really well for the last probably two or three weeks, going all the way back to the Mets series. And, you know, he didn't get a ton of results. He got a lot of line drive outs. He had a home run uh, robbed from him. I think it was Monday in, in Detroit or maybe Sunday in Washington. I can't remember exactly which one. But he's had a lot of batted ball, really, really hard batted balls that were outs in the last couple weeks so it's really good to see him get some results it's you know when you're when you're making adjustments like he is it's always easier to stick to those adjustments if you're also seeing results and not just getting hard you know hard contact out so yeah it's huge for the Braves I've talked about this a ton too but and this also leads into Eddie Rosario and and left-handed Ozzy but you know when 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 Michael when left-handed Ozzy when Rosario are hitting the Braves just are not as susceptible to right-handed pitching as they have been early on. And those those three guys, I think I think we talked about this the last time you and I did one of these, but those three guys are really the key. And cuz you know, you know Matt's going to hit right-handed pitching, but you know, if Rosario if, if left-handed Ozzy and Michael can hit right-handed pitching, then man, they are deep 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 offense. And that's what we saw this week. Um, you know, we saw it in the Mets series, we saw it in the Washington series, we saw it in this series. When they when they have their left-handed guys hitting as well as their right-handed guys, they are a monster lineup. They are impossible to pitch to over nine innings, and you know, and and so it's those three guys. Those are the key, and Michael is a huge part of that. And so, really happy for him. Hope it continues, obviously. Um, and you're right. You know, with him batting ninth, Ronnie batting one, that's that's a lethal combination. You get those two guys on base, they just you know they they wreak havoc. Michael had a steal today. Ronnie had a steal today. I mean, they can. The Braves don't have a ton of athleticism on this team, but right field and center field is where they have premium athleticism. And so, when those guys are on base, you know, it's just a it's a nightmare for pitchers. So, yeah, great, really happy for Michael. I'm glad he's getting results, and and obviously, it's a big for the Braves if it if it continues. And I mean, you know, we knew the defense was there the whole time, and like you said, I mean, it's good to see him get some get some breaks finally just because he had hit the ball he had looked better I think it was that last road trip honestly before the home stand you know he was hitting hitting rockets right at people and just wasn't getting anything to show for it so you know it's good to see him back I think we need to talk about Spencer Strider a little bit too he struggled for the second straight start Uh, he hasn't I mean I saw people saying it was four or five straight starts and I mean he hasn't been he hasn't been the 14 or 15 strikeout guy Spencer Strider, but I think that's a little unrealistic to expect him to be that guy every single night. But these last two starts, I mean, there's no denying it. I mean, he's uh, he's allowed uh, combined over his last nine innings, he's allowed 15 hits, 13 runs, five homers, 
and got 14 strikeouts. Um, but today was just, I mean, he was off from the get go. You know, I thought he really looked worse today than he did against the Mets. Honestly, I thought the Mets had some good at bats. The Mets like to grind him down. Uh, you know, as far as that goes, I thought they got some, got rewarded on some, you know, some, he made some decent pitches and they still got hits off of him. But today, you know, it wasn't the case. Gave up those three home runs early on fastballs that were pretty much, you know, middle, middle, middle in, you know, and, and big league hitters are not going to miss that, you know. So I know he talked a little bit about, um, you know, it's something something off, being off my, uh, from his in his mechanics, you know, but the command stuff's been real. And, I mean, I you know, we actually saw him go to that changeup a bunch today. And I know he's been working and mixing that in, but, I mean, he could not locate the fastball and he could not locate the slider for, you know, the first couple of innings. Did settle down and get, get his way through five innings, which I thought was big, especially in a doubleheader. Even if he did give up five runs, you know, that was that was huge, especially with Chavez getting hurt. Um, but you know, I mean, clearly this is not Spencer Strider. But I mean, what do you what do you think about his uh, his struggle so far? Yeah, it, it it's been a weird year for Spencer because even when he pitches well, you know, he has command issues where, you know, by the fifth inning he's at like ninety five pitches. You know, maybe he makes it to the sixth, but I think he's only got two starts this year where he he gets past the sixth inning. Right, so that just kind of tells you that command has been a problem all year. Even when he's striking a bunch of guys out, he's not locating exactly where he wants to a lot of the time. And I think that's what this is. I think this is all command. I think this is probably something in his – he's talked about He's he's been fighting his mechanics this year. I think there's something in his mechanics where he's just not – the ball is not going where he's trying to throw it too many times out of, you know, however many he throws in a game. And, you know, that's – I think that's why we see the velocity dips. I think he's trying to slow things down to get the ball to where he wants it specifically, whether that's slowing his arm down or slowing his motion down. And he's not throwing as hard because he's trying to command the ball better. And, you know, I think he's been fighting that on different levels all year, which is why we haven't really seen that like eight inning, you know, 14 strikeout game that we saw a couple of times last year where he's at, you know, 98 pitches in, in, you know, at the end of the eighth inning, he's usually at 98 pitches at the end of the fifth inning this year. And, and so I think he's been dealing with this all year and it's just been varying levels. And, you know, the last couple of games he's been burned, you know, pretty much for every mistake, you know, when you throw as hard as Spencer does, you can throw a ball down the middle and, you know, not pay for it. Guys can swing through it or foul it off. Um, but every once in a while, you're going to go through a stretch where every time you throw a ball down the middle, they're not only going to hit it, they're going to hit it over the fence. And that's kind of the stretch he's in now where every mistake he makes, you know, they're not getting a foul off. He's not getting a swing through. He's not getting a hard hit ball right at somebody. He's getting a hard hit ball that goes over the fence. And, you know, that part of it is just kind of baseball. There's really not a lot you can do about that. You're going to go through stretches like that, even when your command is great. Uh, but the more important issue, the underlying issue, if you will, the the actual cause of all this is command. And I think that's what he's frustrated with because it's mechanical and he's having a hard time fixing it. And, you know, I think that's why we saw today Snit kind of walked over to him. You can tell he was very, very frustrated. And I'm sure it is frustrating when you don't really understand why you're not throwing the ball where you want to throw it, you know, a majority of the time. And so... He's, I mean, he's a very honest guy. He's a very direct guy. When you give him, you know, when you put a microphone in front of his face, he's going to tell you exactly what it is. And, you know, I don't think he's hiding an injury. I don't think, I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's purely command. I think it's mechanical. He can't throw the ball where he wants to. And so he's fighting his mechanics and his command is not where he wants it. So he can't throw as hard because he's trying to guide the ball 
I think it all stems to stems back to command for him. So and, you know, the fix for that is who knows? That's baseball. I mean, you know, I, you know, if we could fix command problems, then there'd be a lot of guys who'd be major league pitchers that didn't end up being major league pitchers. So command is just one of those things. You just kind of, kind of slowly work it back in and hopefully, you know, they'll figure something out. He'll figure out exactly what he's doing because we've seen him go through stretches of, of really strong command. So he's got it in him. Um, he's just got to find his command again. He's got to find his release point. Um, you know, he, you're right. He used that change up a bunch today because he, I don't think he knew where the fastball or, or the slider was going most of the time, quite honestly. So yeah, I think it's command and, and that's going to be the difference between, you know, maybe Spencer Strider of 2023 versus the one we saw for most of 2022. I do want to talk a little bit about the velocity though. You know, I, I got a lot of tweets today. It's like, man, his velocity's down, his velocity's down. I think his velocity was right where it's been all season today, uh, honestly. I mean, if you look at Baseball Savant, uh, he averaged 98.2 mile per hour on the four-seamer last year. He's averaging 97 this year. So he's down a full tick and, and then some. It may go down slightly after today. I didn't look to uh, I didn't look to see. And but, one, you know, one, thing, one thing I do want to point out with that, last year's numbers include the first two months out of the bullpen. True, true. Where you throw much harder than you do over a seven-inning start. So, like, if you just look at his numbers from when he was a starter last year, I, I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I'm guessing it's lower than what his overall numbers are because he spent the first two months in the bullpen in terms of velocity. So I just wanted to point that. Uh, true, and that's a that's a good point. And, um, you know, but another thing, too, and I mean, and, and this, is, this plays into the bullpen stuff, too, but uh, I've been sitting on this for about a week or two, and I haven't I haven't tweeted it because I don't want to have to deal with the fallout and my mentions over it. But he has not hit 100 mile an hour with a fastball all season long per baseball savant. I thought I thought I remembered a couple maybe in his first start, but baseball savant's got him under that. He did it 77 times in 2022, which I'm going to guess is less than what a lot of people think he did. But I think it's notable a little bit. Now, I mean, early in the year, you know, he 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 admitted that he was kind of holding back. He had that start where Rick Kranitz came out and really got on him. And, you know, and then he, he finished strong. Um, and I think his next start was really good. But we've kind of seen him fall right back into it. I mean, you're just seeing a lot of 96s that we're not used to. You know, I don't necessarily think he's, he, he's a suddenly a bad pitcher, but just because he's throwing a lot of 96-mile-an-hour fastballs. But to your point earlier – you know, when you leave a 96-mile-an-hour fastball over the middle of the plate versus a 100-mile-an-hour fastball over the plate, your margin for error is a lot, is is different. And, um, you know, I just think he's getting hit hard right now. I did see something interesting today. I mean, he throws so many first-pitch strikes. It seems like first-pitch fastballs even. It seems like a lot of teams are now are, are going up there uh, selling out with him. But I'm not really um, – I'm not really – I'm not really worried about him because, man, this guy's so – cerebral when it comes to his mechanics and everything else I just figure I feel like he's gonna adjust and uh, you know I just think it's part of being a young pitcher and he's gonna struggle at times I mean Brian Snicker said that uh, I don't know how many times he's gonna go through uh, you know peaks and valleys and I just think this is one of those those situations where it's a valley is you know and it, there's no indication it's anything physical but you know he's just gonna have to he's just gonna have to weather this storm and and you know try to figure it out and um you know he'll be better for it in the long run well and Braves fans too you know and we were talking about this in Slack today but Braves fans also have a little PTSD because we've seen a lot of pitching prospects come up with higher velocity and then that velocity slowly leaves them you know and it's kind of like what happened you know I remember 
you know, Julio Teran was throwing 95, 96 when he first came up. And by the time he left the Braves, he was throwing like 89. You're like, what, 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 what happened? And, you know, Fulty had a big velocity, but, you know, he was dealing with injury stuff. So, you know, the Braves, I think Braves fans are just kind of nervous about that stuff. And I get it. I mean, guys throwing 100, you know, 70 something times in 2022 and hasn't thrown 100 yet this year, then that's, that's notable. It certainly is notable. Um, and I think his velocity is down. I don't think that's, I don't, there's no question about that. The question is, why is it down? Because a lot of times when people talk about velocity being down, the worry is that that guy's hurt, right? Like that's the concern. If, if the velocity is down, it's kind of a telltale sign that someone's hurt. I don't think Spencer's hurt. I think if he was hurt, he would say something. Cause again, he's a very direct guy. He's a very well thought. He's a very, you know, cerebral guy. If he thought he was hurt, and he knows his body really well. He would say something. I believe. I think he is purposely trying to, th- trying to command the ball better, and therefore not throwing with max effort. I think his mind is on his mechanics and his command, and therefore it's not on just airing it out. And maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. I'm not a pitching coach, and I have never had a conversation with Spencer. But I don't think it's an injury issue, which is usually the, that's usually what. That's the subtext of what people say, you know, his velocity is down as they're saying, oh, he's hurt. I don't think that's it. I think it's much more mechanical and I think it's much more about command. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, it, you know, I think the velocity, you can explain some of that, you know, if his, if his um, mechanics are off, you know, that, that can lead to that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. But, I mean, like, again, you know, I don't worry so much about it with him just because – of just how analytical he is about, you know, about his pitching. And I think he really understands what's going on and, and what he probably needs to do, you know, to get back in the uh, Spencer Strider that we're used to. So it is interesting, though, uh, you know, it's something worth tracking. But, um, you know, I'm not worried yet. You know, it's just two rough starts. And um, I won't be surprised at all if he goes out there and looks much better next time out. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, another question has been a hot topic over the season, and I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know how I feel about this. So I'm going to let you talk first, and then I'll chime in. But, you know, the Braves have had some struggles with runners in scoring position. You know, it just seems like – I don't think this is just – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think this is a discussion we had last year, and we probably – I don't think we had it too much in 2020, but I think we've had it at various times, 2019, 2018. You know, because a team like the Atlanta that just sits back often and, you know, swings for the fences, uh, hits a lot of home runs. I think, you know, sometimes this stuff kind of goes by the wayside. But, you know, I think at times, you know, I think in particular there's been a few guys that are struggling with runners in scoring position. And, uh, you know, we've been asked about it enough, so we was going to talk about it tonight. Yep. And I get, I get asked this question a ton and I, I've talked about it some on Twitter, which is why I get asked about it a ton and you get asked about it a ton. And we all, we all, it, it's a, been a, co- a topic of conversation. It always is. And just so everyone's clear about the numbers and the numbers are stark. I mean, I'm not going to deny that the numbers aren't stark. So the Braves overall as a team have a 114 WRC plus um, as a team overall for the season. That's in every situation with runners in scoring position this year. And by the way, that 114 is fifth in the league. 
So they're the they have the fifth highest WRC plus in baseball as a team. So one of the best offenses in baseball. With runners in scoring position, the Braves have an 89 WRC plus as a team, which is one of the worst in baseball. It's actually 25th in baseball. So when there's in all situations combined, the Braves have a 114 WRC plus, and with runner at second and or third. They have an 89 WRC+. Plus. And so this is what people are talking about. This is the question, is why? Why are the Braves so much worse with runners in scoring position than they are when there's not a runner in scoring position? And the question to that, or the answer to that question, is almost always, almost always, just it's just noise. There's no, you know, for years we tried to come up with reasons why this was happening, and we, we came up with, like, the the nonsense stuff, like this player is way more clutch than that player, or this team is way more clutch than that team, or this team wants it more than that team. You know, all this kind of made-up stuff to try to... That's how we tried to quantify these numbers in our head, because it's really hard to just say that's just that's just the randomness of baseball. There's no actual reason. If you think about it logically, like when Matt Olson steps up to the plate and there's nobody on base, Matt Olson is the exact same... He has the exact same same amount of talent as an offensive player as he does when he steps up to the plate and there's a runner at second or a runner at third. And the Braves don't change their approach. The Braves have the exact same approach at all times. So, And people say, well, that's the problem. Well, it, But if that was the problem, then they would have this 89 WRC plus for the entire season. They don't. They have a 114 WRC plus in all situations. So those two numbers should be the same. Like there's really no reason why those two numbers shouldn't be the same except for just small sample size randomness. And that's what I, that's the point I wanted to get across in the podcast was people freak out about these numbers because they think it's a indication of a of a deeper problem. And they always think, well, it's approach. Well, if the approach was bad, then the offense would be bad at all times and not just this one specific time. And that's the point is that when you see a large gap in these two numbers, that is an indication that what you are witnessing is mostly noise because there shouldn't be a gap at all. If the Braves had an 89 WRC plus overall and the Braves had an 89 WRC plus with runners in scoring position, then yes, I would say they have an approach problem. But that's not. That's not the case. They they hit really well as an offense in all situations. And for some reason, just the randomness of baseball, they're having trouble with runners in scoring position right now. And that should balance out. I mean, over the course of a year, it's not. It's probably not going to be exactly the same. But over the course of the year, that should that should look more normal. That should be that gap should be much smaller by the time we get to the end of the year. So I just we get asked a lot. I get asked a lot. I just want people to realize that it's it's almost all noise. It's almost all randomness. There's really nothing indicative about any one player or, or the team overall. It's just noise. That's just baseball. And most splits. Listen, we have splits for everything, and, and most of them are just noise. They're just randomness. They're just small sample size that hasn't, you know, hasn't regressed to the mean yet. So that's what you're looking at. People really shouldn't spend more time on it than that, but obviously we know that's not going to be the case. But, yeah, that's my view on it. it. It really isn't anything to be overly concerned about. I think, too, I mean, these players know if they're struggling, you know, with runners in scoring position, they know all these stats, you know, so I think there's a good chance that especially when the guy's struggling, you know, he's he's pressing a little bit, you know, but I'm like you, I'm not I'm not overly worried about it just because the Braves are fourth in the majors right now. This is also pending the outcome of the Arizona Philadelphia game tonight, but they're fourth in the majors in runs scored. They're not having any trouble scoring runs. 
they're second. That's second in the National League behind the Dodgers. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I would love them for them to be, you know, uh, excelling with runners in scoring position because that run scored number would be a whole lot higher. But at the same time, you know, it's not uh, it's not something that I'm losing sleep over. You know, I mean, we've seen this offense be streaky. And, and you know, sit back and rely on the home run, but you know they haven't really done that quite as much of late. You know, and I think a lot of that, like you said, has had to do with Michael Harris, uh, Orlando Arcia going. You know, there's they've been up and down the lineup. Even Eddie Rosario, I mean, he's hit, a, he sprinkled in a few home runs uh, too. But you know, I mean, we've seen him drop down bunts here lately for bunt singles. Uh, you know, when teams have shifted him. So I mean. You know, the things – when they fail with runners in scoring position, it sticks out in your mind. As long as they're having good at-bats, I think that's where you have to drill down and and um, in, and really analyze it. I mean, it is frustrating. You've got a runner at third, one out, and you swing at the first pitch and ground it back to the pitcher. Yes, I, I absolutely. Or you chase a strike out of the zone. Those are always um, are, are frustrating. But like you said, it's still – still a lot of small sample size theater and I mean overall numbers this team's this team's one of the best offensive teams in the league so you know I get it why people it jumps out at people you know I mean it this 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 discussion could lead to the RBI which you know again traditionalist uh old school you know the, uh, that RBI stat meant meant everything you know it decided MVP race uh voting and and everything else but I mean it's been proven in recent years that I mean you know, it's there's a lot of noise in the RBI stat. You know, it really amounts to how many times did you come up with guys on base uh, more so than, you know, performing uh, performing with guys on base. So, you know, I'm like you. I, I it is something to kind of look at, but you know, I'm not drawing I'm not drawing any hard conclusions from it. And the point I want to hammer home is if the Braves had a bad approach, right? Like that's what everybody says. Like they struggle with runners in scoring position because they have a bad approach. If the Braves had a bad approach, they would have a bad offense, right? Like those two things aren't separate. And the Braves don't change – like we know this. The Braves don't change their approach for anything. Like they, they are the exact same team in every situation. And that that's one of the things that makes people mad. But if the Braves' offensive approach was a bad one, then they wouldn't have one of the best offenses in baseball for the last five years because they've basically used the same approach the last five years, right? So if the approach was bad, the offense would be bad. And the approach is not bad. The approach is – they do hit a lot of home runs. They don't care that much about strikeouts. And I know traditionalists hate that, but it scores a lot of runs. And like we, we know that for a fact because we've watched it for the last five years. And if their approach was bad, their offense would be bad. And their offense isn't bad, so their approach isn't bad. So just stop saying it. I just want people to stop saying that, that the reason they're struggling with runners in scoring position is because they have a bad approach. They don't have a bad approach. They have a really good approach. They have a really good offense. And the fact that they haven't hit with runners in scoring position yet, that one specific situation, is almost all entirely based on just noise. And so, you know, we talk about this every year. I talk about this every year. I really try to get people out of this mindset that, like, it's a, it's an indicator of a bad offense. It really isn't. It's just an indicator of randomness. But, yeah, I, I just want that point hammered home. The Braves do not have a bad approach. They have a really good offense, and therefore they have a good approach. And they've had this same approach for years now. We have years of data on this, and the Braves having one of the best offenses in baseball. So I just really need people to – and this is also an offense that works really well in the postseason, which is a whole separate conversation that we're not going to get into today. But, like, so, yeah, just just know that that's not what these numbers say. And, and in fact, they don't really say anything at all, and that's kind of the, the point. Yeah, just one last thing before we move on, and I, I just flipped this on. I was looking at this on Fangraphs now. 
Um, but the Braves are 11th in strikeout percentage, 22.1%. Braves have hit 114 home runs this season. The ten te- Of the 10 teams in front of them, uh, the Cardinals are the closest with 93 in strikeout percentage. Uh, the the 10 teams that are ahead of the Braves in strikeout percentage, the, the uh, Cardinals have 93 home runs. The Braves have 114. So, you know, I mean, it's like just to echo what you just said, it's, uh, you know, it's they've they they've got an approach uh, to hit the baseball hard and hard. That's and all they, they care about. Right. And the they've, ball hard. and they've been successful at it and they not they don't strike out. They're le- they we see a lot of strikeouts sometimes, but it's not nearly as bad as as a lot of people think it is when you really look uh, drill down and look at the numbers because they're 11th right now in strikeout percentage. So anyway, We'll move on from there, um, but yeah, you know that's uh, that is something that's been a, a talking point, and um, you know we uh, we'll we'll keep tracking it, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see how it goes. But I'm like you, I just I just don't I just think it's a lot of noise, you know, and I think it goes, you know, it just goes back to kind of just this new approach to baseball. But um, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. Shifting gears, let's do a little quick lightning round here. Uh, Bryce Elder got us got some uh, questions about regression, and you know I'll be, just be honest with you. I mean, when he was leading, he's been leading the league among the league leaders in uh, ERA all year. He's been doing it with a FIP that's been a one to one and a half runs higher than his ERA, which is you know usually tells you some regressions coming. Uh, last two games, he's allowed twelve hits and nine runs in eleven and a third innings. Um, you know, I'm not worried about it because, you know, this is kind of who he is. I mean, he's still going out there and, and eating innings. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, that's what they want. Uh, that's what they need from him right now. So, uh, but, you know, I thought it was interesting. I mean, he's still got a FIP that's a, a run higher, a FIP and an ex-FIP that's a run higher than his ERA. So, you know, we may still see a little bit more of this, uh, you know, coming in, in as the season goes on. Yep. This is just – all this is is – is his ERA stabilizing to his other peripherals? That's all we're watching. Is his ERA is, is starting to look like what his other peripherals has said he is pretty much all season, which is, you know, around a three and a half ERA guy. And I'm guessing by the end of the year, he'll be around that. He'll be a three and a half ERA, maybe closer to four. And that's all this is, is, is him kind of slowly becoming that guy. And you know, technically it's regression because obviously he had, he had an ERA in the twos for a long time, but I would hope by now most people knew that that's not who he really was. And hopefully most people kind of see that this is, this is just kind of the natural progression of what his stuff was always going to lead to. And yeah, it's not anything to be concerned about. Yeah. And I mean, even if he does become that three and a half, three, 3.7 ERA guy, it doesn't mean he's not been a good pitcher. You know, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's the still thing. very valuable, very, very valuable. I mean, yeah. even if it, you know, especially with the innings that he's given them while Freed, Max Freed and, and Kyle Ryder are both out, you know, I just think it's, you know, it's like Spencer Strider. I mean, you're just gonna, you're not going to be, you can't be that perfect all the time. And with Elder, you know, I mean, Elder's, Elder's got a lot of spin, uh, not, a, not a ton of velocity, you know, and I think you know the, there's a f- more of a fine line for him than there are for you know some other pitchers that can that have better stuff. But you know, I mean, he's been a you know he's shown he's kind of a throwback. You know, he's living on the edges. He's u- using the spin, and he's been successful. And uh, so you know, I mean, he maybe hit a bump in the road here or there, but 
you know, he's to me, he's a part of this rotation. He's going to be a part of this rotation going forward. It doesn't really matter what happens. Last question. I got this question today, and I, the reason I put it on here is because I get it about – I got it last month too, and I meant to look it up, and I never did. Uh, but basically, you know, a lot of people have made some noise about Yaxel Rio, Rios is in the minors. He's at Gwinnett. Um, I remember him in spring. I honestly, I haven't watched him pitch all year. I had to look it up to see what the fuss was about. He's got a 0.79 ERA and a 2.16 FIP in 22 and two-thirds innings at Gwinnett. You know, a lot of people have been suggesting the Braves need to go there. Uh want to know why they haven't. Uh, I looked at, you know, his career numbers. He's 29 years old. He's not a prospect. He's had plenty of he's got 96 and two-thirds career innings at the majors it's 5.77 era of 5.37 fit now granted i am going to say that orlando arcia has taught me not to necessarily look at all the career numbers because the braves have a uh, a way of taking a guy with uh, bad inputs and and turning something out of them but i'm going to guess that the reason he hasn't got a look gotten a look or hasn't you know I mean, he's not even on the 40-man roster is just because you can't completely trust minor league numbers and it's probably more about his stuff and his location and they got a better read on that than we will just looking at the fan graph stats so but you know have you have you seen have you watched any Gwinnett and uh and seen any of Yaxel Rios I have literally never heard of him until like two days ago when somebody tweeted at me I don't watch minor league baseball I know a lot of our guys do and I you know I love them for it because they can teach me stuff but I i I've never been a minor league guy, so just looking at his numbers, I mean, you know, he's given up quite a few fly balls and zero home runs, and that's not something that is ever going to last in the majors. He's given up zero home runs this year in the minors, which for a guy who runs like a 30% ground ball rate um, is almost impossible to do. So there's definitely some regression coming to those numbers. I can tell you that for a fact, but yeah, I mean, you know, one issue with the Braves is they don't really have guys that can be optioned. We've talked to you and I have talked about this in the past. They, you know, one one fair criticism of Alex this year was I think he did build a bullpen that was a little too strict in terms of movement. You know, there's not the only guys on the team that have options are are AJ Minter and, and Nick Anderson, and neither one of those guys are going to get options. So if the Braves ever want to make a bullpen move, they've got to put somebody on the IL, or they've got to release somebody, and and obviously. Both of those are much more committal moves. And, you know, if you put somebody on the IL, that's 15 days. If you release somebody, obviously you lose them all together. So that's why we're not seeing the same bullpen shuttle that we've seen in years past because the Braves just don't have that kind of roster. And, you know, if they did have that type of roster, if they had a couple guys on the team that could be optioned back and forth, then you might you might have seen a guy like this, you know, up at this point. But when you have to IL a guy or you have to straight up DFA a guy to get you know, more arms up, then it's much, it's a much tougher thing to do. And it's, it's obviously much more committal. So yeah, I, I mean, his numbers are good in the minors, but like you said, he's 29, he's not a prospect. He throws hard. Um, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him at some point, but it's not quite that simple with the way this year's team is built. Yeah. And I mean, right now there's some guys on the 40 man that are obviously in front of him. Uh, Danny Young seen soon on time at the major league level, uh, Derek Rodriguez has seen some time at the major league level. Most of it not with the Braves, but you know he's another option as well. So you know I think a lot of things would have to happen. I mean this is why the Braves try to build this roster at Gwinnett because you never know what's going to happen. You know you've got guys. It's not a prospect laden roster as much as it is um, 
you know, a bunch of four A guys that have major league experience. I mean, we saw today uh, um, they signed Jesus Aguiar to a uh, a minor league contract. He's going to play first base. You know, at, at Gwinnett, he was released by the A's, I think, last month. Um, but you know, that's what it is. I mean, if you have a catastrophic injury, you know, they can go down to Gwinnett and bring a guy you know, bring a guy up with some major league experience and, uh, you know, go with it. So, I mean, I won't say, you know, we won't see Yaxel Rios at some point, but, you know, at the same time, I don't know that he's going to bump somebody off this, out of this bullpen now. You know, I don't care really how good his numbers are. You know, you'd have to, you have to dig a lot deeper than just the surface numbers. So, uh, but, you know, we, we get a lot of questions about it and, um, you know, I don't blame. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that people notice it. You know, because it just tells you they're really paying attention and and want to know. So, um, I think that's going to wrap us up. Uh, Stephen, you got anything else? No, uh, just been it's been a really good stretch for the Braves. Obviously, they, you know, they had that stretch where they, I think they won seven in a row. They they took the series against Arizona. They took they swept the Mets. They won the series against Washington. Now they won a series against Detroit. So, I think they've won their last four series. Um, I've really separated themselves in the standings they go home and play a really bad Colorado team the next four games so it's a it's more of an opportunity to do so um so it's been a good stretch you know they kind of came out of that stretch where they were kind of uh, I don't know I don't know the best way to say it but they weren't playing their best baseball and they they it was it was kind of a malaise for about three weeks and so it's it's really good to see the team you know kind of turn it on again and um, and obviously the competition helps. It's not as, as hard a competition in June as it was in May, but yeah, good to see the team playing well. And, um, yeah, we got a, we got a four game series coming up, uh, this weekend against Colorado. So hopefully it continues. Yeah. If they can just, you know, keep, keep plugging off these series wins. Um, you know, uh, you'd like to do that at home, uh, against the Rockies and then, then it's the Phillies Reds and uh, on the road and twins and marlins close the month out that red series is going to be fun ellie daily cruz is uh yeah. is up for them they're a, they're an exciting team now and then you know the braves kind of made a statement sweeping the mets uh the phillies split a four-game series with them at truist park in may uh you'd like to see them go up braves go up there and kind of kind of and they're they're playing they're playing better again i mean to me when i look at this division right now the phillies i know the marlins are six over 500 and they're playing well and i don't want to discount them because they've got a lot of good pitching but phillies are still the team that scares me you know if you're going to worry about anybody i think if the phillies get to get to firing on all cylinders they're still the one team that can give give the braves and they and be honest they've played the braves pretty well uh head up over the last um last couple of seasons anyway uh so uh, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting. It's going to be a fun uh, month, but uh, you know, we'll be back uh, next week uh, to to tear into some more topics. And uh, appreciate everybody listening, and um, we'll talk to you again next week.